Hi, and welcome to this special mini-sode of Samuel <laughs> Manuel Movie Podcast. That's a word, isn't it? Yeah, sure. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. This is mini-sode number two, to be specific. Mini-sode on the ep- number uh, two. On season two of Ozark, uh, for episode two, The Precious Blood of Jesus. Uh, this week was supposed to be a face-off, but life has gotten in the way as it always does with uh, with the podcast schedule. So just a short and sweet one tonight, as we have been planning on doing anyway, and uh, we'll get you the goods next week on Face Off. Yep, perfect. Uh, so please uh, remember to uh, uh, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can talk, contact us at uh, Sam Manny. Uh, movie podcast at gmail.com uh we'd love to hear from you uh the feedback we have been getting from uh from some people has been phenomenal um we're going to continue pumping these out because sam and i uh, love it that we do and we certainly hope you do too yeah so totally. uh in the mind of uh keeping this mini as the mini so name suggests uh manny why don't you read the plot synopsis for uh episode two yeah sounds good so this is episode two of season two of the show that we love called ozark uh, like Sam mentioned, uh, the episode name is The Precious Blood of Jesus. Uh, it was directed by Jason Bateman. And here we go. The Kansas City Mafia sends Mercer an unsubtle message, causing state Senate support for the casino bill to waver. Marty capitalizes on Buddy's prior relationship with Mafia head Frank Cosgrove to reach an agreement that the casino will be unionized, which keeps the project viable. Wendy attends a prayer breakfast to woo faltering senators and resorts to blackmail. Wilkes makes a play for Wendy as the price for obtaining the vote of the last Senate holdout, but Wendy rebuffs him. Wendy sees Mason preaching on the streets of Jefferson City, baby Zeke at his side. Rachel's drug and drinking binge causes her to wreck her car, leading Roy to turn her into an informant against Marty and send her back to the Blue Cat. Kate is paroled and rebuffs the job Ruth persuaded Marty to offer. Marty, give, Marty gives Ruth more responsibilities, including entrusting her with the cash to pay for acquiring and moving the riverboat that will house the casino. Darlene looks for someone to love and nurture in Ash's place and asks Jacob if they can adopt a baby. Cade robs a diner to show Ruth that he has not changed and demands her help in locating Marty's money. Boom. Let's start off with that opening scene where the Kansas City Mafia stops uh, Mercer's uh, truck. Yeah, Boom is right. Right, <laughs> yeah. blows the motherfucker's hand right off. That was a that was an awesome introduction to this character. I'm really excited to see what direction they go with, with this character because that was that was pretty fucked up. Yeah, it was. It was well done. Um, it, uh, it incredibly violent and uh, graphic. I I didn't uh, I didn't anticipate that. Yeah, this is the most graphic moment in this show, I think, since uh, Jason Bateman's toenails were ripped off in episode 10 of season one. Oh, but... son of a bitch! Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, this synopsis doesn't really go in chronological order. It kind of jumps all over the place. Um, this was a nice little highlight of, uh, of Buddy, who is uh, one of the many people I love on this show. Um, so we'll go there since we'll, we'll kind of follow the synopsis in here. Buddy, uh, when Buddy and Marty go and meet this Frank Cosgrove, um, it, it, it kind of shows a side of Buddy like that I didn't really anticipate that he was kind of like connected to the mob a little bit in his past. Well, they do hint at it a little bit in season one. There's a conversation between him and Wendy where 
uh, he says something to the effect of the only kind of people who end up in the Ozarks are the people who are hiding from something or who are running from something. They, they have some conversation, uh, him and Wendy, on, on deck chairs. It's alluded to a couple of times. But it's never really explicitly said what his troubled past is. And yeah, I'm glad we got into it because Buddy's an awesome character and the he, he has some some scenes to shine in this episode as he always does i don't know the name of the actor and i don't know who the actor is who plays buddy but he's fucking awesome well it's funny for me because the actor that plays buddy um who uh i'll take a second here to to look up um or if you can look up his name um, while i tell this anecdote for me uh anytime i see him you might recognize i recognize him from two things i don't know if you recognize him but he was the corrupt cop from scarface Oh, I didn't recognize that. Yeah, that's him. But I actually know him as this horrible judge in Ghostbusters 2. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen Ghostbusters 2. Every time I see him, that's all I think about is that he's this judge in Ghostbusters 2. Harris Eulin is the name Harris of the actor. Um, 80 years old. Sorry? 80 years young. 80, Jesus. Yeah. Um, when they go and meet uh, Cosgrove, I, li- I like that scene. Um, it's shot well. Um, they do build up a little bit of tension, and then it's cut with some humor. Um, and Buddy kind of kind of steps up and becomes a little bit more of a player in the show, and more a little bit more of a player and a little less uh, comic relief than he was in season yeah. one. He has, he has more of an active role. He's not really just sitting on the sidelines being a spectator, right? He's... That's sort of what you're saying, I think. I do like the way that they build up. Um, sorry, it's Cosgrove is the name of the villain, yeah. I guess, this new mobster. I do like the way they introduce his character, A, with this first scene of him blowing off the fucking guy's hand, which was ruthless. And then they also build up his re- reputation really well. There's a lot of talk about him before they go in. There's a lot of buddy telling, like, hey, he's a psycho, he'll gut you. Oh, no, sorry, that's... Uh, I have that quote written down in my notes, but I think that is the... Uh, it's one of the congressmen that Jason Bateman talks to, I think. Mm-hmm. He's warned that Cosgrove will gut you, and he's a psycho. And then when they're going in to meet him, and Buddy says he knows him from his past, he says, uh, he always had it out for me because he thought I slept with his wife. <laughs> which, is a, which is a great setup for yeah. Breaking later. And then, and then <laughs> the tension builds in that scene, and then Buddy asks him, how's your wife yeah <laughs> and jason bateman's look on his face is like are you fucking serious yeah and it totally diffuses the situation yep. which is hilarious it ends up uh gaining his respect and gaining his trust but yeah in that moment i was kind of holding my breath and i love that scene when they finally confronted him and but he's just so old and sick that he just doesn't give a fuck anymore and if he got his head blown off there i think he was fully prepared for that but well the, the, and that's what cosgrove says he's like he's like he's like i'm he's like he's like you better watch yourself or i'll put you out of your misery and he's like oh he's like you'll be doing me a favor yeah. <laughs> like buddy has no fear he's like i'm i'm i know i'm gonna die within a year like do yeah. threaten me all you want I, I don't give a fuck yeah um so moving on from there I, I i like that um wendy um and uh, uh what's the uh the senator's name that she befriends i'm trying to look quickly look it up here uh wilkes is it yeah, Wilkes, he's not a senator from what I understand, but he's a uh, he's a very influential businessman. Congressman, he's probably a congressman. Who knows? I don't fucking know American politics all that well, but he's obviously uh, political in some sense. I thought he was set up as just a guy who had his hands, or had, a, had his hands sort of 
all over everything, but wasn't really like, he was an influencer, but not a politician himself. He's the guy who pays off the politicians. No, I, I think he is a politician. I, I may be wrong there. Yeah, who knows? Um, there, yeah, Wilkes. Um, I didn't mind this too much. Um, I, I like where this is going because, I, and I what I love the most is it shows, it really shows how good Wendy is at this. Um, because they talk about her being in the political mm, arena in season one, um, and then her doing this, uh, especially that blackmail job where she they blackmail, they they get the uh, senator's husband in a very compromising situation. Yeah, isn't that fucked up? Yeah, I was when when she goes in there, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, it's gonna be him, you know, fucking a prostitute, and he's dressed up and thigh garters and bra and sucking a big fat dildo i was like what the sweet piss yeah the the show definitely uh went a different direction there than i I was used to anyway i will say that uh, a lot of this plot line started to feel a little bit too house of cardsy to me uh i like house of cards i at least the first four seasons i i really enjoyed but it felt like trodden territory and it felt like the show was going a different direction at this point than what I sort of signed up for. You know what I mean? Yep. I, I, the political stuff hasn't been doing it as much for me in this show as it was in house of cards. And I think that's sort of an issue. Um, I don't find Wilkes interesting. I will say yeah, I the, uh, the tension that's built up between him and Wendy. I really don't find interesting. I'm yep. sorry to say, um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll, give this plot obviously room to breathe it's still only episode two of the season but yeah a little bit of cause for concern there at least for me yeah that being said for our listeners um like i'm only this is as far as i've gone in in into the series i'm only at episode two myself and sam i think you're only an episode ahead of me so we don't we're taught we're not talking retrospectively we don't i don't know where this is going um sam has a little bit more insight into where it goes from here than i do um, but we're coming in kind of fresh, and I, I think that's really going to affect the way that we have these little mini episodes. Um, uh, yeah, I agree. The, the The character of Wilkes is not all that intriguing to me. Um, but what I like, like I was saying before, what I liked it is that it showed uh, how skilled Wendy is in the political arena and how good she is at this job. Um, when she, I didn't anticipate uh, seeing Mason. Um, yeah, I was really happy about that, actually. I, I mean, I wasn't happy to see him preaching on the streets, yeah. but I was really happy they brought his character back and they showed the repercussions of of what it is that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty jarring moment to see him. I think he had his uh, baby with him yep. as well. Baby as Zeke was the right there on the sidewalk with him. I was like, God damn. They just ruined this guy's life. Like this well-intentioned, good person. They just ruined his fucking life and... Yeah, it was a it was a little bit of a startling moment that I'm glad the the writers threw in there. I was also just going to add that uh, Char- the character of Charles Wilkes is listed on Wikipedia as a wealthy businessman and political donor. Oh, so okay. not, not listed as a uh, as a congressman or any sort of political figure, just okay. sort of uh, an influencer. Hmm. I guess my recollection, and that's sad since I watched the episode twice. It's sad because I <laughs> thought that's that honestly, he, I thought that he had a vote as well. 
But you, I you and I pay more attention to these sorts of things than probably the, the average watcher of uh, of Netflix shows. I mean, and I would assume our, our listeners pay more attention to these things. So if you don't know, I would say that's probably a, a bad setup job by uh, by by the writers. No, mm, that's a that's a huge compliment. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, next up on the. We have uh, Rachel returning as well. Um, when they cut to that scene of uh, of the hotel and these fucking people doing drugs and stuff, I uh, I found myself uh, confused. I was like, I don't I don't know where this is going. Yeah, it was it seemed out of place at first. I'm glad they brought back uh, Rachel because I had mentioned uh, in the first episode that they didn't really resolve her storyline. And I really like the direction that we went uh, in this episode with that. Um, there's a there's a couple of characters that make returns that, uh, that I guess we I guess three activated. of them I guess Mason, uh, Rachel, and Roy all came back in this episode. Yeah, it's a it's a good old family reunion here. Uh, how, what did you think of the Roy reveal? Wow, he's uh, he's one angry motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's not fucking pleased. He I do is like, uh, he's definitely. He's definitely carrying uh, some bitterness after uh, season one. He's, uh, he, yeah, he's he's angry and dark. Wow. I was going to say that, yeah, as much as we sort of complained about him in season one, I think it was, uh, it, it was really cool, the, the scene that they took with Rachel and how they're maintaining his sort of bitter status with what happened to Russ in season one. You can see how it's affected him. And I think it's reflected in this performance. And at least in this one scene alone that he has at the end of this episode, I thought there, it was a very good scene for his character and for the actor as well. I was, uh, I was impressed and more interested for sure than for most of season one with this character. Yeah, I totally agree. I I like, uh, I like where they're going. Uh, I like where they're going with that. Um, Um, I didn't I think they touched upon Rachel I I just don't remember them I just don't see Rachel going in and getting into drugs. I can't remember if they touched upon it on season 1, but like her I know like they she obviously intimated that she liked to drink and and have fun, you know, she like she would talk about her Sunday night ritual of going out to the bar and hooking up with dudes, but I don't I the the turn to get to drugs was a little jarring for me. I I don't remember them hinting on that um, at all in season one. Yeah, I certainly don't remember that. Um, it, that's funny. I I didn't even occur to me that that was a little bit out of place. Yeah, I guess it was sort of implied that she's a party animal, but not necessarily a drug addict. So, yeah, I guess that's just sort of what happens when you give uh, someone from some random schmo from the Missouri Ozarks however much money it is that she stole i guess they were just trying to find a way for her to be desperate enough to go back yeah in this situation so yeah i guess i can i can understand the writers at least needing some sort of device but yeah maybe a little bit out of character i'm not sure i'm gonna jump over to another aspect here because i i want to end the episode on one particular part which is okay. my, which is my favorite part so i'm gonna jump ahead uh, to where Darlene uh, is looking to adopt. Um, it was a odd choice, I guess, um, 
but I, I like I understand that Darlene had a, a, a real affection and affinity for Ash. Um, I'm in, I'm really interested to see where this goes because you and I both like Darlene. Yes. So I'm intrigued as to how this is all going to play out. Yeah, I was. I'm very cautious about how I want to feel about this storyline because I like Darlene as just a an emotionless sort of psychopath who's who can fly off the handle at every at every perceived slight and every corner of every conversation, and this is humanizing her a bit too much for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to not have a payoff and it's not, I'm not saying it's uh it's the wrong direction to go in it's just definitely not a side of her I thought the writers were going to put in That's fair. Uh, yeah, I I'm I'm intrigued to seeing where this goes because I I'm with you. I like Darlene as a complete psychopath. Hmm. So that gets to the last part and this for me was the highlight of the episode and no shock, uh, it involves uh, Ruth Langmore, our uh, our old friend Julia Garner, show stealer, and uh, and her dad Cade. Um, but the first part is well, Cade being a bit of a dick to his parole officer, I'm pissing in a cup right in front of him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a good scene. I like that. And then uh, and then Ruth going to buy the uh, the riverboat and uh, not backing down. Uh, kicking over a guy in a wheelchair and nailing the other guy in the nuts. Yeah. And then getting it for less than what the, what the offer was because uh, she felt that they were ripping him off. And then there's this, the scene, she asks her dad for help and he shows up with a boat to tow the, the, the riverboat casino back to where they need to because it doesn't have a motor because they fucked him over. And, uh, Again, Ruth just talking about a real future. She saw a house that she wants to buy and that with this casino coming in, she's going to make some real money and and uh, she's going to be able to pay for uh, her cousin's schooling and all this kind of stuff. And you, you can see like for the first time in her life, she's hopeful and she wants to lead a, a legitimate lifestyle. And she's not thinking about what her dad had originally wanted her to do and that's to kill Marty and get the money that he has and the actor that plays Cade who I I don't know off the top of my head but in that on the boat scene he doesn't he doesn't do that standard villain thing where he's all he's smiling to her face and then when she turns away to just kind of look at the scenery he gets that frown like like he's all he's like he's saying, "Oh, so you're really in good with this Marty Bird guy?" And she's like, "Yeah, yeah." And he just kind of keeps smiling and doesn't do that stereotypical when she turns away, he goes to that frown. He just keeps smiling. And yeah, I remember that... I'm, I was like, "I'm like, wow." I'm like, "Okay." I'm like, "This isn't going where I go." But then you know, it cuts. I can't remember where the, the next scene is. But then it goes back to Ruth and Cade, and they're in the truck, and shit goes dark quick. Yeah, Trevor Long is the name of the actor, and I, I completely agree with you there. But I was disappointed with. Uh, I think the reason that this scene in the truck hits so hard is because we're really in Ruth's 
point of view for a lot of these scenes between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And all that she wants is a good life for herself and for her dad to support her and be proud of her. And she really wants her dad's approval. Yeah. Um, especially after losing a couple of surrogate father figures and her uncles. Yep. She just wants that approval. And, uh, well, he, uh, what is what is it that he does to her again? Doesn't he slam her head against the dash? Well, no. Or? First, he, he he says he wants to stop and grab a bite to eat it or a, like a snack at the diner. Yeah. And she asks for a coke, and he goes in and robs the place. Suck like well, I shouldn't say sucker punches, but he punches out the cashier, takes the money, brings it back in, and Ruth watching it, dumbfounded. Like he she just gave him a thousand dollars for towing the the boat. And she's mm. like, why would you do that? She's like, you have $1,000 in your pocket. She's like, I'm, I told you that I'm going to be able to get you a legitimate job once this goes. And he's like, that's not what I do. He's like, I did this because I wanted to do this. And then that's when he slams her head into the dashboard. Yeah. And he's like, he's like if he has a million dollars in cash to buy this boat, he has more. And you're going to find it. You're going to help me find it, and we're going to rob this guy. And then uh, you can see on Ruth's the, – the viciousness of Ruth, you can see it on her face. She's look, she, the, for me, the look she gives on her dad is she's like uh, – I personally think that she's, she's going to have a hard time deciding. Ultimately, she's going to choose Marty over her dad. Yeah. But I, I, think, I think it's not going to end well for – I anybody. definitely interpreted the look that she gave him as just one of pure devastation that she really thought she was going to be able to get everything she wanted, like a good life for herself and her family and rekindling her relationship with her dad. And this moment really is an inflection point in the season where the dilemma is really presented explicitly. It's like she is going to have to decide between Cade and Marty. And yeah, I mean... The show is about Marty, so I would be surprised if she chose Kate in the end. But it'll definitely be a ride getting there because, like I said, she's already, in a way, turned on her family by betraying her uncles in favor of Marty. Uh, she's she's working for Marty and helping him make money and getting more responsibility under him, and clearly looks up to him as as a man and as uh, as a business partner. So mm -hmm. I, I really wonder how it is she's gonna be able to make this journey because family is very important to her as well yeah and, uh, yeah her her uncles were one thing but her dad's another thing entirely yeah it's i'm this is for me this is the most intriguing part of this season is how this um marty ruth cade dynamic is going to play out um i think a close second is how the kansas city mafia is going to come into play as well um yeah, with uh, with the death of uh, Dell in the first season, I was really worried that this show was going to struggle to find a good, consistent villain. But honestly, we've been presented with a few. I think uh, the Petty storyline this season has way more potential than the previous one. Yep. I think uh, the introduction as Cade as a main antagonist is going to be awesome. Uh, there is, um, is it Cosgrove? I keep forgetting the name, Cosgrove. Yeah, Cosgrove uh, is the, yeah. I think he's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, I think there's a, there's a wealth of options as far as uh, how things are going to turn to shit for the uh, for Marty and Wendy. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, it's going to play out well. Um, but and that pretty much wraps up uh, wraps up episode number two. 
Yeah, uh, overall thoughts? Uh, I, I liked it. Um, it wasn't bad. Um, like I said, uh, for me, the, the, uh, the, uh, the Langmore dynamic is, 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 uh, is my favorite part. Um, I, I, one thing we didn't touch on, <clears throat> Jason Bateman's not really – he doesn't really do much in this episode. No, not really. Um, but I like – the one thing I do like – um, because it was one of the things I was worried about in the in the first season. I like that the whole family's in it together now. Yeah, they all know, you know, their lives are on the line. They have work they got to do, and they're all trying to do it. Um, and and I, I at times I kind of feel, um, I kind of feel like we've Marty Marty the character is fully aware of it, but it feels like Wendy especially has kind of forgotten that their lives are on the line. Like when she comes back or she says a couple of times that she's not sure if the bill's going to pass, Marty's like it it's it's got to pass. And then when she questions him about buying the the boat for the casino, he's like this is our only option. Like if 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 this doesn't happen, we're we're all dead. So there is no option of it not happening. I'm moving forward as if this is going to happen because if this doesn't happen, we die. And at times I feel Wendy seems to have forgotten that. Do you think she should have slept with, uh, with Wilkes? Is that what you're implying? Well, the, the first time, like the first time she seems to have forgotten is when she comes home. This is prior to Wilkes saying that he wanted to sleep with her. And Marty tells her that they bought, that he bought a boat. And yeah. she's like, "Do you think that's wise? Like, we haven't even gotten the bill passed yet." And I'm like, "Why would you even say that? Like, yeah, like you need to get it passed." Yeah, and he keeps he keeps reminding her of that. It is not an option for the bill to not be passed. Yes, like like why would why would it matter if he bought the boat or not? Like if if he bought the boat and the bill doesn't pass, you guys are dead. If yeah. you if he buys the boat, or like like they said in the plan, like this casino has to be on the river. I can't remember the reason why, but. I know that it's it's the main reason, probably for legal reasons of some sort, but whatever. Um, it it like this is this is the only option he has to stay alive. So it just seems at times that Wendy's forgotten that, or I don't I don't know. Um, I think the Wilkes stuff in particular is going to be the least interesting part of the season. I do find it curious that we talked for an entire episode of Ozark, or talked about an entire episode of Ozark, and barely even touched on the Bird family. Um, that it, it is concerning that their main sort of uh, struggle at the moment is this is Wilkes coming into it and Wendy again sort of forgetting the mission statement right now like, mm-hmm. she doesn't seem to really have her eyes on the prize anymore yeah which is like it's it just seems it just seems so weird because she was so fully aware of it in mm-hmm. season one I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I think like we'll be, we'll be saying that a lot in the coming episode. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how it works out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, all in all, I, I, a pretty decent episode. They got a lot done. Now you know. After all this talk, I kind of realized that we're almost talking as long as the episode is. Um, yeah. uh, I liked it. Uh, the introduction of the mafia. The introduction of, uh, or I shouldn't say the introduction of K, but a lot more Cade and and Ruth for me. Um, and then the return of uh, Mason, Rachel, and Roy. It was a, a pretty jam-packed episode. 
Definitely was. I would I would pretty much echo that. I think the season is definitely uh, sort of limped out of the gate more than season one did. Season Agreed. one had so much happening uh, right off the bat, and season two has it's taken a little bit to find its footing for me. I think we are going to see some of these storylines come to fruition, and we are going to see some big payoffs for a lot of these plots. At least that's what I'm hoping. Um, couple of I shouldn't say disappointing episodes, but maybe episodes that didn't live up to the the high bar that season one set for me, at least. But still entertaining and, and decent enough. Yeah, and like I, I said, we will see how the rest of the season goes. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Uh, so that wraps up our uh, mini episode of uh, of Ozark. Uh, I guess uh, we'll just say our goodbyes here for uh, Samuel Manuel mini episode podcast, whatever we want to call this. I'm Manny Manuel. And I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.